0: Hey everybody on Facebook. If you are joining us, thank you very much. If you are not joining us, what's wrong with you? You should be here. Um, My name is Tim, pastor here at Waters Church North Atterboro. This is our Facebook Minute, and we're going to do these more often on Wednesdays, 12 noon, so make sure you set calendar reminders in your phones. Be here. I'm very excited about the future of this moment. I think about technology and how we can leverage it. For the purposes of the kingdom, every single chance we get. So, I am so glad to be with you today. It is a beautiful August day. I think it's like 84 degrees out there. And uh, if you're not out there, get out there today, go for a walk, go for a run. I rollerblade on a regular basis. Every time I say I rollerblade, everybody says people still rollerblade, and that's true. I still rollerblade. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. Uh, but we're also in a different location. If you joined us for the first two, we are in the middle of our Waters Church offices, and you can see behind me these wonderful, beautiful people. Hello, beautiful people. Hello. 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 This? <laughs> They're working hard here every week, making the weekend happen at Waters Church, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have them um, doing what they do here in the offices so welcome into the offices welcome into the inner sanctum of waters church for the next few moments facebook minute i'm gonna share a couple things about what's happening here at waters church just to remind you first off we are in the middle of a series called we are here for those who are not yet here and we've been challenging people to take their faith and put it into action so there's that faith in action booth in our lobby And so many of you have already taken the packets, and I am so excited about this. 50 of you have already brought those packets back, which means 50 of you are ready to start serving here at Waters Church. That's pretty exciting, I think. And um, we're so excited about that. The 50 people who are going to fill in those gaps that we're creating by sending a lot of good people out to Woonsocket and Milford uh, for those campuses. 50 people who God, I believe, is going to gift and uh, anoint to do great things for the kingdom of God here in North Attleboro and beyond, and so that's awesome. Secondly, we are on television. I don't know if you know this. Not now, our weekend experiences on television, and so you can tune into my RI. Um, what channel is that? Does anybody know what channel that is? It's different based on provider. Okay, so yeah, yeah, different based on your provider. So look it up. I don't know what it is. I'm sure you can just press the little guide button. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. Press the guide button and find it. I know it's on Sundays at what time? Do we know what time? Seven thirty p.m. Seven seven thirty p.m. Eleven thirty a.m. Um, so tune in and watch, uh, and you can see that we're going through the Honor in the House message series there. So if you missed a weekend, that's another way you can catch up. You can always. Go online at waterschurch.org, but if not, uh, you can go to the TV now. So no excuses. You can't miss a weekend no matter what. It's, every weekend is awesome here at Waters Church. Third, school supplies. Um, we are asking you to bring in school supplies, anything that you can do uh, for uh, our three campuses. Now, Milford, Woonsocket, and even this campus, we're going to bless students with uh, free school supplies. And so we have our block party on August 19th, I think is 19th. And one of the ways that you can pay for your food is to just bring school supplies. So instead of bringing the $5 for food, bring school supplies. The school supplies are then going to be given to Milford and Winsocket, and they're going to use them to bless students in Milford and Winsocket as an outreach uh, in the name of Jesus. I think that's always an awesome thing. Um, so we had uh, an incredible first Wednesday this past weekend, uh, this past week. Last week, last uh, Wednesday night, First Wednesday blew us away. God, the Holy Spirit just moved in a great way. You know, we just just sensed His Spirit there, just sensed His power, His presence. A lot of people were touched by God. If you don't go to First Wednesday, you need to go. Now, I say that, but I have to. I have to tell you this: there is no First Wednesday in September. We will pick it back up in October. Uh, the reason why is because we go back to school, people get crazy, busy, and, you know, hardly anybody ever comes on first Wednesday of September, so we just take it off, and we're going to pick it back up in October. But it was a powerful moment, and uh, I'm going to want to talk about a little bit of, I'm going to actually, at the end of this Facebook minute, we're going to have uh, the audio available for, uh, from first Wednesday, Um that the message that was shared about the Holy Spirit. So if you didn't miss it, you can watch or I'm sorry, not watch. You can listen to it. Um, how are they going to be able to listen to it on the, podcast. On, on the podcast, which brings me to number five announcement. And that is that we're starting a new podcast. I'm very excited about this. Now, if you're watching on Facebook live and you can help me out here, give, give us comments, give us feedback. As I tell you this, we're starting a new podcast at Water Church. We have our regular weekend experience podcast, which is the Sunday morning, Saturday night message, basically, where you can catch up and listen. A lot of people, a lot of you tell me you listen to it in, at work, uh, while you mow the lawn, while you're working around the house, whatever, while you're driving to work. Um, uh, hopefully not while you're at work. You should be at work. Uh, but when you're on the way to work or on the way home, you're listening to it. That's great. So we're also going to add another podcast back in the day. When we were really Christians, <laughs> and my staff always cracks up when I say that, <laughs> but when we were really Christians in the church, we went to church three times a week. Not once, okay, all you, you, oh, you lazy bones. We went three times a week, and so we would have Sunday morning, and, and then we would have Sunday night church, and we'd do it all over again, like the same exact thing, Sunday night, all over again, different songs. Different message, different experience. Uh, We were exhausted. And then on Wednesday night, we would have Bible study. Bible study on top of two services on Sunday, two completely different services on Sunday. Well... We've gotten incredibly lazy. Uh, We can only manage one service a weekend now. Uh, We can't do it differently. We have to do it the same every single time. And uh, we we, we also understand, and, and we do that on purpose, because not everybody can make Sunday morning first, second, or Saturday night. So there's three options for you to come to church. But what I was thinking about, was that moment of first Wednesday? Uh, that moment of Wednesday night Bible study, like Wednesday night Bible study, we would go through a book of the Bible. We would talk about what God's word says about so many things. And here's what we would do: we would go deeper. We would go deeper in this, in the scriptures. And so many people would come. But then I thought about how we, as much as I'm tempted to say, "Hey, let's go back to having Wednesday night Bible study," we can't do that. Two reasons. Number one, we have incredible small groups. Uh, Everybody here around me, they're all in a small group as well. I'm in a small group. I hope you're in a small group. And I don't want to take away from small groups by providing a Wednesday night that's going to maybe suck the life out of the small groups. Small groups are awesome. I mean, everybody gets blessed by these things. Um, And second reason is uh, life is crazy. You've got so many things going on. I've got so many things going on. If you have kids, Wednesday night is sports. Wednesday night is drama. Wednesday night is your drama practice, I mean. Uh, Wednesday night is, you know, I don't know, jazz band practice for, for, for your kid, whatever. Or you're going out or you're in small group or whatever. And I thought, we just can't go back to those good old days, as much as I think we should to be more spiritual like we were back in those days. We can't go back to those days anymore. They're over. But here's what we have. We have technology. We have connection right here. I feel it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a Wednesday night Bible study podcast. I thought, let's go deeper every week with a podcast. And it's I'd like to think about it like this. It's Wednesday night Bible study on your time. When can you tune in? When can you listen? So let me know in the comments. Do you like the idea? Do you hate the idea? Do you think, wow, that's awesome. I need that. Let me know. Do it now in the comments. Don't just watch. Um, and, and tell us what you think about that. And, and it would be about maybe like 30 minutes long. And I'm thinking about this, a, mess, a, a, a series of messages on 1 Corinthians every Wednesday night podcast. I think we're going to call it uh, The Deep End. Yes, because we're Waters Church. You got the shallow end on Sunday mornings, and then you've got the deep end on on Wednesday. Like so, it won't. You don't have to listen to it on Wednesday. You can listen to it on Thursday. You can be a rebel and listen to it on Sunday, on the way to services in Sunday morning. On Sunday morning. So anyway, um, let me know what you think. And so I want to do a message series on 1 Corinthians. How about this? We go through 1 Corinthians. We talk about this messed up 1st century church, how crazy these people were. If you think the church you grew up in was crazy, it ain't got nothing on 1 Corinthians. Trust me. It ain't got nothing on the church that was in Corinth in the 1st century uh, A.D. Uh, So Paul writes this awesome letter to them, 1 Corinthians, and he addresses all their problems, all their issues, and it's really a great book. But I thought about calling it The Struggle Is Real quote unquote hashtag the 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 struggle is real talking about what God has to say to our lives uh through the book of first Corinthians. The deep end podcast Wednesday night bible study on your time are we getting comments? Are we getting any feedback yet? Oh I love it when everybody loves my ideas. If you don't love my ideas because you haven't heard from God. Okay, let's let's move forward. Um, little devotional here for the Facebook minute and if you've got a Bible or if you've got the web right now go to Matthew 13 want want you to go with me there Matthew 13 I want to talk to you today about the parable of the soils and why Jesus shares this parable okay I said to you that on the weekend we're having Um, A series of messages called we're here for those who are not yet here Uh, unpacking that phrase It's it's kind of like the lifeline of our church the mission of Waters Church. We are here for those who are not yet here We always want to be open to new people so I Had this thought we don't want to just be here for those who are not yet here Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about how we also want to be here for those who check this out We're here okay so i want to talk to the people you were here and you left where'd you go what happened did you move i mean unless you moved or died you got no excuse where'd you go we want you to come on back to waters church and this is that it happens in every church across america it happens in every church across the world people come people go it happened in jesus's church okay people left him like crazy especially in john chapter six well there was a time in Jesus' ministry, where the disciples were like, why are not people, like, hanging? Why are they falling off? Why are they not sticking with it? And I wanted to address that for us as a church from the words of Jesus himself. Matthew 13, verse 3, and I want to talk to the people who were here. So if you're still coming every weekend, you hang in and listen to because this will help you, because there will be a time when you might not want to come to church, or you might be checked out in church, and you want to get back or you want to keep your guard up about not doing that. But those of you who were here and you're not here anymore, um, Matthew 13, 3, Jesus talking about the kingdom. And he says, here's what the kingdom looks like. Here's what church is going to look. Here's what the movement that I'm starting is going to look like. He says, a sower went out to sow, a farmer. A farmer went out to sow seed. And as he sowed seed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Verse 5, other seed fell along the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And they immediately sprang up, but since they had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed, so this is four now, four soils. Other seed fell among or on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus talks about four soils on which the same seed falls four soils. He says, look, this is how it's going to work. There are some who are on the path, some who are among the rocks, some who are among the thorns, and then there's some, one out of four actually, that's actually good soil. The seed goes in and it produces fruit and it produces productivity and flourishing. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to flourish for God. I want fruitfulness. I don't want to just like barely make it through life as a Christian. I mean, I want, I want to flourish and I want you to flourish. And Jesus wants you to flourish. I think flourishing is better than starving every single day. Uh, Flourishing is better than unfruitfulness every single day. So what's interesting, though, about this parable is that this is like one of two parables in the Bible that Jesus says, let me explain it. Every other other parable, he's like, here's a parable to tell you what the kingdom is like. Figure it out. This is one of two where he actually says, I'm going to tell you what this parable means. And so I think he tells us what this parable means so that we can be on our guard to be that good soil that flourishes and produces fruit. So I want to unpack the explanation because it's unpacking for us four responses to God's word. Four kinds of people that are going to show up every week at Water Church and three out of the four are not going to last, he's basically saying. So I don't want you to be one of those three out of the four. I want you to be that fourth good soil. And I think Jesus explains this parable so that we can learn how not to be that or so that we can learn how to be that good soil. So soil number one, he's, he's explaining it later on in verse 18 of chapter 13 in the book of Matthew. Look at it, verse 18. It says, hear then the parable of the soil. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So that it, this is the soil, that, this was the seed that was sown along the, on the, along the path. So Jesus says, look, there's some people that hear the word of God, but then immediately Satan, he says the evil one, Satan comes and snatches it away. And I think some of you might be there. You hear God's word, and and it's good. But it's like you leave the weekend experience, you leave church, and then before you know it, you get a call from your ex-boyfriend. You know, you, you get um, you get invited to that party that you know you shouldn't go to. You get uh, sidetracked by all kinds of other messages from the world that are telling you you need to do this, 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 this. Uh, what are you doing going to that church? Maybe from relatives. Who knows? But you get some kind of attack some kind of satanic attack yes demonic satanic attack against what god wants to implant in your life you got to be on your guard about this uh first peter chapter 5 verse 8 peter says be sober-minded be watchful because your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In other words, Satan's out there, and he's going to try to rob you of what God wants to say to you. Are you, are you allowing that to happen? And, and, and by checking in with us here right now, you're not allowing that to happen. Thank God you're here. But how often and how quickly we can walk out of church saying, I'm glad I heard that. And within moments of our day or our week, it's gone. Satan has come and plucked it out. This is why we're doing the podcast, The Deep End. This is why we put our regular weekend experience online, on YouTube, on another podcast, so that you have ample resources to hear and rehear the Word of God. Interesting thing, from this weekend, my, my nephew came uh, to visit me and uh, my family, and he, he came to Saturday night, and then we forced him to come back for second service on Sunday, because that's when my kids were there. And he said to me, uh, he said, Uncle Tim, I, I just heard the message so much clearer the second time around. And I thought, that's exactly what we need to do. Sometimes we need to hear and then re-hear, re-hear, and then re-hear. And we process it better, and more stuff gets into our hearts. And I'm just saying, don't let the devil come and snatch away what God has planted in you. What God has planted in you is life. And the devil doesn't want you to live. He doesn't want you to flourish. He wants you to dry up and wither and die. You know why? Because that's what he's going to do. That's where he's going. He, to, he wants you to experience the same destiny he's got ahead of him. Don't let that happen. Second thing, second soil, Jesus unpacks this for us. He says, listen, as for what was sown, verse 20, on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, and look what it says, immediately he receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Okay, so I thought about this. These are people who respond. they like, oh my gosh, I love this. Jesus, yes. Wow, church is amazing. And they come, and they come for maybe a half a year, a year, or whatever, and they love it, and they respond. And so it says here, he springs up, and uh, he springs up with joy, and that's a lot of you. You came to church, and you got so thrilled with God, so thrilled with the gospel, so thrilled with Jesus. And you even got baptized like you that was amazing for you you just got into this moment of I want to go all in I want to jump in the waters I want to celebrate what Jesus has done in my life and all this stuff and and, and you know you we, we talk a lot about baptism and we love to celebrate our baptisms but I thought about this and here's a major uh, temptation about baptism because we are in such a Facebook watch my life generation we can inadvertently make like movements of Christian devotion, a Facebook moment and leave it there. (laughs) Like, like my baptism moment becomes like something else I can post on Facebook. Like the amazing piece of cheesecake I ate last night. You know, I mean, now I can, (laughs) No, awesome cheesecake last night and awesome baptism moment to the, you know, this morning at Waters Church. Yay me. And then we can wait for the comments and the likes and the wow, so precious, so awesome. I'm so happy for you. And then everybody's like commenting and everybody's like celebrating what? They're celebrating what? Us. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Stop. Stop the press. (laughs) Baptism is not celebrating you. Actually, baptism is is proclaiming the death of you. That's what baptism is. We identify with Christ's death in the water and then we identify with Christ's resurrection life coming out of the water. And guess what baptism is? Baptism is saying, I'm done living for me. And I thought, how many people, how many people, how many of you watching on Facebook right now? You came, you got excited, you even posted your baptism pics to your Facebook feed. Scroll up, go ahead, scroll up on your Facebook feed and check. And yet it's like, oh yeah, I did that. I've been there, I've done that. And and sometimes we fall into the the, the the category of the Catholic Confirmation people, the, the Catholic Confirmation crowd. Like, I did that. I got the confirmation. Uh, the priest gave me the, the, the wafer, and now I'm good. I'm going to go do my thing now for the rest of my life, and Jesus, I'll see you in heaven. Like, wait, no, that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to live thriving. He wants you to live empowered by his word every single day. Not just momentary bliss, followed by okay, let me chase the next great thing that I can post on my social media feed. He wants you living for Him, He wants you laying down His life for Him. Because when you lay down your life for Christ, that's where you actually find life. That's where it is. That's where life, life is in losing your life for the sake of Christ. He has more life to give you back in return. Okay, story number three. Verse 22, Jesus explains, As for that which was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and prove it unfruitful. I mean, I don't have to do much explaining here. Jesus says basically it's money and power, money and the world, money and fame, money and popularity, money and, you know, uh, 3500 square feet four bathrooms six bedrooms you know three car garage money and okay and all the you know money is not evil and uh, 3500 square feet and four bathrooms and six bedrooms is not evil these are not evil things but they can do this they can choke the word out of your life because when you have 3500 feet square feet and it's four bathrooms and six bedrooms that's a lot of stinking cleaning Okay, that's a lot of heat, electricity, and all those things. And if you can afford it, fine, but if you can't, you're going to stress. And before you know it, the stress of all that you've done and all that you have and all that you try to earn and have and and, and think, okay, I'm going to define my life by having this great car. I'm going to define my life by having that amazing house, that amazing party, that amazing experience. Before you know it, you've choked yourself. Oh, you've choked yourself out of the Word of God because money and, and all these things become is so much more important to you and, and and here's what we need to remember. Jesus said, man does not live by bread uh, on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, man, some of you are there, you just allowed all these other ventures of life to choke out your experience with Christ, and you're missing the life giving word of God that can help you flourish in whatever endeavor you're doing. Flourishing in Christ does not just mean that you can quote chapter and verse of the Bible. Flourishing in Christ does not mean that you just pray all the time and you're fasting all the time and you're miserable all the time because you're really serious about Jesus. No. Flourishing is that you are doing your job better than ever before. You are loving your kids better than ever before. You are you are free from the, the, the suction of what the you know, popular crowd is trying to make you become so that you fit in with them, whatever it is. You, you're free. You're, you flourish because God is living in you. Uh, and, and so Jesus is like, look, watch out for this because you can, f- you can start strong in Christ and then before you know it, you're weak and you're struggling and you're choked out by all these other cares of the world. Then fourth soil, and I love this soil, as f- as for what was sown, verse 23, on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and number two, understands it. Okay, understands it. Big word there. The other soils heard it, but they didn't understand it. The fourth soil, they hear it and they understand it. And it says this, he bears fruit and yields and everybody has different results. So he says one case a hundredfold, another 60 and another 30. My question to you is this, you have heard the word, do you understand it? Like when you read the Bible, can I just ask you, can, when you read the Bible, when you open it up and you look at it and you're like, this is like a foreign language to me, I have no idea what's going on, or is it like, wow, I needed to hear that. And outside of the Sunday morning experience when you hear me preach or one of our other preachers preach, that you can open your Bible and you can say, wow, God is speaking to me, my soul is fed. I needed to hear. That's going to help me. I want that to be your experience. This is how we flourish. This is how we produce fruit. This is how we do our jobs well, do our schooling well. So how do we understand God's word? Because it is a confusing book, yes? I mean, it's confusing. Uh I thought about this like there are whole books in this Bible that we no longer do we don't do Leviticus we just don't do it like there's like three verses in Leviticus we still do the rest of the book we ignore okay how do I know what I should ignore how 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 do I know what I should do and how should I interpret that from my life I mean that's helpful right well how do we get there here's the answer are you ready the answer is so important it ties back to first Wednesday last week you've got to have the Holy Spirit There's no way to interpret the Holy Bible without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote or inspired men to write the Holy Bible. Okay. And guess what? The same spirit that inspired them to write it can inspire you to understand it. So my question for you is this. Have you ever had a moment where you experienced the Holy Spirit? Like, have you, ever, have you ever received the Holy Spirit? Like, this is important. This is important. Like, Christianity is not just getting your sins washed away and posting your Facebook moment of your baptism. Christianity is f- being filled with God, being filled with the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, so that you can live the way God wants you to live. Because the other thing about this book is, it's really hard. It's incredibly hard. Have you ever tried to do this book? It's hard wicked hard. How many know what I'm talking about? Boston, Massachusetts. It's hard to do what's in this book. So you know what I'm saying? You've got to have help. And God never said, okay, here's all the laws. Get busy. He never did that. He said, look, you can't do it without me. I'm here so that you can do it. When Jesus rose from the dead, here's what it says in John chapter 20, verse 19. He, sa- he says this on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were. This is after the resurrection. They don't know Jesus is really alive yet. They're locking the doors. They're hiding. They're in fear of the Jews. Jesus came in, stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Just remember that line. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So they believe he's alive again, like a lot of Christians. But then he also adds, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show you something from the Word of God. This is so powerful. I hope you catch this. Don't, don't check out. If you've got to leave, you've got to leave. But listen, don't check out just yet. Luke 24 is the same moment as John chapter 20. We have four accounts of the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We just read from John 20 of that moment. Jesus shows up. Peace be with you. Here's my hands and feet. It's me. They're like, whoa, awesome. He's like, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. Luke gives us the exact same moment, but he gives us a different detail of the exact same moment that's incredibly important. Here's what it says in verse 36. It says in Luke 24, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. Same words, same words, peace to you. So this is the same moment. And verse 40, skipping that, it says, and when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. So again, this is the same moment as in John chapter 20 where he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then verse 45, check out what it says then he opened their minds to what's the word understand the scriptures i want you not to miss this the same moment john records where he says he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit luke records and says and because of that because he said receive the holy spirit and breathe on them their minds were opened to understand the scriptures big difference between hearing and understanding big difference how is that difference made Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit received empowers you to do and live and love God's word. It's the only way to do it. I can't do it for you. God does it for you. I can unpack it for you. I can teach it to you. I can preach it to you. But still, until the Holy Spirit comes in and confirms it and seals it in your heart, it's going to be like you're one of the other soils on the path, on the th- among the thorns, among the rocks. Don't let it happen to you. Ask God, give me the Holy Spirit. In fact, whenever you read the Bible, you should stop. You should say, "Father, I'm about to read from Your Word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, speak. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what He said." I mean, how cool would it be? Like if you were taking a class on Shakespeare, and you had to study and you had to write this essay about, I don't know, Hamlet, and so you had to like write this 25-page essay on Hamlet and all this stuff. And how cool would it be to have Shakespeare sitting next to you saying? Write this. I mean, he'd be able to unpack it better than anybody, right? This is what the Word of God is, though. This is what the Holy Spirit is. It's the author sitting next to you saying, here's how you're supposed to read that. Here's how you're supposed to listen to that. Here's how I'm going to do something in your life through that Word. I mean, I can't tell you. It's so powerful. It makes all the difference. Receive the Holy Spirit. Last verse, and then I'm done. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says it like this. Just to make sure that you're all on the same page. John, Luke, Jesus, Matthew 13. John chapter 20, Luke 24. Jesus, Matthew 13, and now Paul, Paul the Apostle, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 says this, when we tell you these things, what things, things are in the word, we do not use that, we do not use words that come from human wisdom, in other words, you can't just explain this like as a human, instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, capital S, spirit, using the capital S, spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It's all, it all sounds foolish to them. And they can't, there's the word again, understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Again, last line. Only those who are spiritual can understand. Understand what the Spirit means. This is a powerful verse. And Paul is saying, you've got to receive the Holy Spirit. So, last Wednesday night. Man, powerful, right? still testimonies coming in of the Holy Spirit just coming into people's lives and people just experiencing him. You can have that experience. You can have that experience. You know, there's a point in the, in the book of Acts where Paul shows up at Ephesus and he says to the believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he finds out that they didn't even really hear about Jesus in the first place. But the interesting thing is he knew that they were, he, were, he was told that they were disciples But he says, listen, okay, you're disciples of Jesus, fine, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? Like, why is the question there? Why is the question there? Because we need to not just receive Jesus, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. Right where you are, you can receive the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, tonight, alone, I don't know, wherever you can get alone, or maybe with a friend that you know is in your small group or whatever, you can get in that moment and just say, let's pray that the Holy Spirit comes into our bodies in a mighty way, in a powerful way, so that we can not fade out, not check out. Waters Church is here for those who were here. And if you were here and you are no longer here, come on back here. Join in. Get involved with what God is doing. Man, we are having the best summer of our life. And God is speaking to people every single week. Anyway, that's all I have to say. I hope that you take these words to heart. I hope this Facebook Minute Facebook 33 minutes, because again, I cannot say anything in one minute. Uh, (laughs) I hope this has been a blessing to you, and um, again, leave a comment about the um, Bible study, uh, Wednesday Night Bible Study podcast. We're going to call it the deep end, or going deep, or in the deep, or whatever, rolling in the deep, hashtag Adele, whatever, and we are going to have a good time talking about 1 Corinthians. We just read from 1 Corinthians, and oh, by the way, this Sunday, we're reading from 1 Corinthians, but... We will have plenty to say about First Corinthians Beyond today and this weekend. I hope to see you this weekend. Uh, Bring the school supplies. um, And now we're going to throw this to audio from the First Wednesday experience. I hope you enjoy. God bless you. God bless you. All right. How are we feeling tonight? Good? Good. Are you ready to hear the Lord's word? Yes. It's not my word, it's His. Well, I want to just a couple things. I want to just let you know about a couple of things tonight. First off, uh, I don't know if you know this. This is kind of something we did incognito. Maybe some of you knew this, saw it, I don't know, but we're on television now. Did anybody see it?? one person. <laughs> Did anybody else see? Oh, two, three, four, five. Oh, good. Six, seven. All right. Well, we just got started. So room to grow. <laughs> well, yeah. WPRI something. MyRI. Something like that. One of the cheaper stations. Okay. <laughs> You're going to have to fight us. Little old ladies looking for the Home Shopping Network will find us and get saved. Amen. (laughs) So that's happening already. And uh, then we had the best July on record for our church. 119 people gave their life to Jesus in July. Yeah. 17... Seventeen people got baptized in July. Come on, that's awesome as well. And then in a couple months, we're going to be starting two churches. Yeah. Praise God. I feel like this, is, this is just feels too high tonight. There we go. Okay. I would like to ask you to open to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I want to talk to you tonight about the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that the church is not here for our entertainment. It's not a house of performance. And you do not come to hear what I have to say. I trust that you understand that everything about the church is because of the Holy Spirit. What we are, who we are, where we go from here. The Holy Spirit started something in Acts chapter 2. That's 2,000 years ago, our time. He's still doing it. We're part of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Waters Church loves to have fun. I think we're fun. Do you think we're fun? We'll do the movies thing. We'll have rap on the stage. I like to make you laugh. That's my personality. It's not putting on a show. It's just my personality. Love to laugh. Love to bust on people. I have a sarcastic personality, if you couldn't tell. But I, I like to have fun, and I like that our church likes to have fun. But let us never, ever replace the Holy Spirit with fun. If you just come to this church because it's fun, you have to understand that you're eating the frosting and missing the cake. You need to understand what we are is the movement inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is what makes us who we are. I don't want you to be happy because you were entertained, or that you felt that this was cool, or, or you like our flavor and our style, or the chords are just right on the stage during the music, or that that inspira- the, the preaching was highly inspirational, or that the building is neat and different and new, I want you to experience God here. That's why Jesus came, you know. He didn't come to start an entertainment industry. Some people say that's all we're about. That's because they don't know us. If they come to a first Wednesday like this, they would realize Oh, what you do on Sunday is just part of what you do. Yes. We're beyond the Sunday morning. Tonight is an experience of the Holy Spirit to remind us the church is pushed and led and propelled forward by the third person of the Trinity. Not by my personality. Not by my gifts and my talents. But by Him. Let your faith be. And your trust always be rooted in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not a church style or a denomination. Not your tradition. Not what you were taught when you were 5 or 6 or 12. But that the God who sent Jesus also sent the Holy Spirit. So that you and I could be filled with Him. Not just with enjoyment, but Him. Living in us. Moving through us. Touching people who are not like us. Loving those who hate us. Ignoring those who criticize us. Reaching out to those nobody else reaches out to. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Changing lives. Changing people. Transforming the minds of men and women. You know how hard it is to change a person. Does anybody have children in this building? It is hard to change people, amen? Is anybody married? You should have said amen the loudest. But you probably didn't say it so loud because you're sitting next to your spouse, and I understand. It is hard to change people. Some of you are frustrated because you can't change the people in your life. You're not supposed to. God changes people. God changes people through the power of His Word, anointed of the Holy Spirit, through somebody who may have education and may not, who may be good-looking and may not, who may have a ton of experience and who may not. It doesn't matter the vehicle. It matters what's in the vehicle, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Acts chapter 2 says, verse chapter, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. This is the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing, what's the word? Wind. Wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language." And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And it goes on a little bit later, and they say, oh, they're drunk. Peter says, no, they're not drunk. Verse 14, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed him. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. And then he tells them about Jesus. And he tells them what they did to Jesus. And it tells them about, that Jesus was the one David prophesied about. And Moses pro- prophesied about. And that all the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. What is the Bible about? Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes into Peter to tell others about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the hope of the world. And so the Holy Spirit comes to bear witness through the body of Christ to the fact that Jesus is who He is who God prophesied him to be and planned him to be, and everything that we know and everything that we have to offer people is the power of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he shares this with them. And verse 38, after they asked Peter, what should we do to be saved? They're cut to the heart. These people hearing Peter preach are cut to the heart. Their hearts have been changed. Through the anointed preaching of the word of God by a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we going to change people? The Holy Spirit working through us. And it says in verse 38, Peter said to them, we'll put this on the screen, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you. Check this out. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children. Now, we don't fit either one of those categories because none of us were there. All the people that were there are dead. And their children are dead. But he doesn't just stop there, thank you, Jesus. He says, and for all who are, what's the next two words? Far off. We're about as far off from Jerusalem as you can get. How many are glad tonight that Peter said this was for people who were far off? Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for this moment that we have to share with you. May Thy words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. May our ears be attentive to what you want to say. And may the Spirit of God have his way in the preaching of the word of God, for the people of God, to fulfill the mission of God in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. I I got news for you, Waters Church. We are here tonight because of the Holy Spirit's power and what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. That's why we're here. There's no other reason. And since the day of Pentecost, God has been pouring out His Spirit Here and there, throughout the world, in special manifestations. Manifestations is just a fancy biblical word to mean showings. All throughout human history, God has raised up people to do powerful things, to move the mission of Jesus forward. Never get upset by what you see in the world. Never get upset by who's in the Oval Office. The fact that you get upset by those things just proves that your trust is falsely misplaced. And you need to put your trust in the fact that no matter what's happening in the world, God is still working in the world. And he works in secret ways. And he works in covert ways. And he works in ways we don't expect. Mysterious ways, we like to say. But all that means is that God's ways are not our ways. And he wants to work in your life in a way that you might not expect. He wants to work in your life and in your family in a way that you don't make happen. But I know in my heart that the Holy Spirit can and will work through the people who are open to Him, who believe in His power, who receive Him, and by faith step out, trusting that what He has done in them is more powerful than what anyone in this world can do to them. And they will stand up and they will testify to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, come hell or high water, come Republican or Democrat, come economic boom or recession or depression. The gospel of Jesus Christ is gonna move forward because God started it and He ain't done with it until Jesus comes back again. <laughs> Nothing's gonna stop this. Now you need to understand something. You're in this room tonight hearing from a man that the Holy Spirit filled when he was a very young man. I was raised at a church. I was raised Pentecostal. How many of you were raised Baptist? Put your hands up. Not many. New England. <laughs> Presbyterian? Put your hands up. One of you, you were predestined to be here tonight. (laughs) Methodist, not many of you either. All right. Catholic, there you are. (laughs) Okay. And how many of you were raised just good old-fashioned sinners? The Catholics put their hands up again. That was ironic. Okay. (laughs) That says a lot right there. Welcome to New England. (laughs) Well, I was raised Pentecostal. Who was raised Pentecostal? You should have both hands up. I don't know what's wrong with you people. Don't you know your roots? Charismatic, Pentecostal, hands up. Yes? Charismatics. Now, you have to understand that I was not raised in a crazy Pentecostal church. As much as some of you might think, oh, those Pentecostals, I know who those are. Those are the crazy Christians. Those are the people who play with snakes (laughs) and drink poison. Or those are the people who wear too much makeup or no makeup at all. How many know what I'm talking about there? Those are the people that were on TV in the 1980s and then they all fell. (laughs) Tragically, they did. But they're they're still at it, thank God, by grace. I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and I was exposed to the gift of tongues at a very young age. And there was something about that gift that really drew me in. It didn't push me away. It pushed my friends away, (laughs) but it never drew me away. It never pushed me away. I was intrigued. When I was a young boy, I would pray, God, I want to speak in tongues. I want to do what I hear the adults in my church do. And I would pray, and I would pray, and I'd fall asleep praying. And I would, and I, and then I would fake it sometimes, because <laughs> I was so desperate. I wanted that gift, <coughs> and so I just, I don't know, pig latin it, whatever. And and then I, I went to a youth camp in New Hampshire. And I was there the second night of that youth camp, and they were asking kids who wanted to receive the Holy Spirit to come forward, and I wasn't going to go forward, because when I watched those kids in the front, I saw they were all falling down or crying or shaking and stuff. I said, I don't want that. I don't want that. And my friend who was sitting next to me said, you should go forward so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. Thank God he said that. And I got up out of my seat and I walked forward. And I still remember the man's face that prayed for me. His name was Dave, Pastor Dave. And I said, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for you. And there's a good chance that you're going to feel God come upon you. You might feel like electricity is flowing through your body, through your hands and through your feet. That don't force anything and don't manipulate anything. But the Lord's going to speak something into your mind. And you might just get one or two words and you're just going to say those words. And as they come out, you just let them out. But he's never going to compel you to do it. You're going to have to speak. But when it comes to you, you speak. And so I put my hands up. He put hands on my head and he prayed for me. And sure enough, exactly what he described came upon me. This power that I could not express to you flowed through my physical body, through my hands and my feet, like catching fire and holding on to it, and into my head and into my mouth. And and as I was praying and that was happening, he said, you've got it. You've got it. And I spoke in tongues. And the Lord has used that gift in my life in a tremendous way. I can't tell you the dynamic change that happened to me that night. Twelve years old, for heaven's sakes. Never in my wildest imagination did I think it would happen. But this boldness came over my body. And suddenly I did not care what I looked like. Or what people thought about me. Or who was around me. And then, you know, in those days, they used to have these wild, long, altar call nights late into the night. My goodness, make you exhausted. I went over to kids that I didn't know and I'd pray over them. I just started laying my hands on kids. this 12 year old kid running around the 18 year old kids, laying hands on them, speaking in tongues. Laying hands on other kids, speaking in tongues. Now, no, listen, I'm not saying that we should still be doing all that kind of stuff. You know, the Lord has worked through our nonsense in every generation. Can I get a good amen? What I'm trying to tell you is that once the Holy Spirit came upon my life, I was never the same again. I'm on this stage because of that. I know it. I'm not on this stage because I went to seminary, although I went to seminary. I'm not on this stage because I went to Bible school, although I went to Bible school. I'm on this stage tonight preaching the Word of God, and I preach it the way that I preach it because of the power of the Holy Spirit that touched me that day in my life. You say, I mean, you always say it like it is. You always just tell the truth. You're not afraid to say what other preachers might not be willing to say. That's not me. That's not my natural being. I was a shy kid. I wasn't, I wasn't the kind of kid who would express himself in high school. Like I, was, I, I always felt a bit like a loser. Not very popular. Not very smooth with the ladies at all. <laughs> but when that happened, I knew my life was in his hands for his purposes. And a boldness came over my life. And, and, you know, it took a long time from that moment for me to get to the point where I could preach with boldness. But thank God through a series of events that happened and I got chances and I stunk for a long, long time. And eventually you get the sense where you're comfortable enough to let the Holy Spirit lead you in the gift he has given you. And I think I'm sharing this to you to, with you tonight because I don't want your Christian experience to be based on what you know about Jesus, what you've memorized out of the Bible, and what churches you have attended. When it can be so much more. It could be beyond what you have imagined or experienced in any area of your life. Spirit-filled Christians have been moving the church forward for generations. Now some of you might reject the spiritual gifts today because you were taught that they're no longer in existence. You were taught maybe that they died off with the apostles. And that's a teaching that was very prominent throughout the 20th century in many churches because those churches didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. Maybe they were scared or intimidated. I don't know. But it's a wrong, unbiblical teaching. If that teaching is true, you have to deny every single miracle that God has ever done since the first century. And we have miracles sitting in this building right now that we cannot deny (laughs) healings and transformations, giftedness, anointing. Some of you here speak in tongues. Some of you want to speak in tongues. Some of you don't want to speak in tongues. I get that. But I'm just trying to tell you that the move of God is more than just knowing stuff. And and, and going through the religious motions. Like some of you might be here on Wednesday night. It's your first time at Waters Church in a long time. You've been busy on the weekends because it's summer and you heard it was first Wednesday, and so you came out to kind of make up for the last couple of months that you've been lazy about getting to church. I don't condemn you. Honestly, I'm trying to compel you to understand that if that is your religious experience with Jesus, you're missing it. You're not here to make up for lost time. You should be here to experience the power of God the word of God, the life of God, to know that if he comes into your life in a true and living way, it transforms you into a different person that wild horses can't keep you from the house of the living God. You want to be here. You love being here. You don't come to hear a preacher. You come because God meets his people in the house of worship. When we gather together, something happens. I don't know. I don't know how to explain. I don't know what it is necessarily, but I know it does happen. You don't get the same experience watching online. Believe me, I've tried that. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, the week before, I was online watching. Boring. (laughs) Not the same. It's a first step. It's an open door. It's a window into what goes on so that when you show up for the first time, you're not blown away. You kind of know what to expect. That's what online is for. It is not to give you an excuse not to come and be with God's people. And I say this not to condemn you. I say this to empower you. Because when we gather in the people of God, and we gather in the worship of God, and we lift our voices, God's presence comes down and touches hearts and lives. And you can't replicate that experience with your laptop on your lazy boy. (laughs) Anyway, in the year 2000, Life Magazine listed the 100 events that changed the millennium. 100 events that transformed human history from the years 1,000 to 1,999 in a largely secular list, things like the Apollo moon landing, apartheid being overthrown, the civil war, emancipation proclamation, so on and so forth, in a largely secular list. Do you know that there were two events that they listed that were Christian? When I found this out, I was blown away. The first one didn't surprise me. Actually, the first one was number one on the list. Do you know what it was? When Gutenberg printed the Bible. Number one on the list was the invention of the printing press for the mass distribution of printed literature, the first piece of literature, and the intended piece of literature for the printing press was the Bible. The number one most important event in the last millennium. That's pretty impressive. I think they got that one right. Amen? The number 68 on the list, I would have never expected. Being born and raised a Pentecostal, it made me feel proud. They said it was the, 19, the early 1900 outpouring of the Holy Spirit that began in America. I couldn't believe this. I thought, this is Life Magazine. Do I have this right? Sure enough, it was. And then they unpacked it, and they, and they made the case pretty compellingly that this, this event changed the course of Christianity. That they actually decided that we could call Church historians say this, not Life Magazine, but church historians say that we could call the, 19th, the 20th century the century of the Pentecostal movement. The Pentecostal movement was started in, in, in 1906, a little bit before, but 1906, by a white guy who taught a black guy about the move of the Holy Spirit. Now, what you have to understand is that the white guy was named Charles Parham and the black guy was was named William Seymour. And in those days was segregation. And where Charles Parham was teaching, William Seymour could not enter the classroom by law. So what Charles Parham did was he left the door open strategically so that William Seymour could sit on the outside of the classroom and listen in as he talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. And those two men became fast friends and What Charles Parham taught William Seymour, William Seymour took and and just embraced 100%. And he moved to L.A. to take a little church on a little beat down corner. And within two years, that little church had experienced a mighty move of God that still to this day reverberates around the world. Reverberates all the way to the pulpit here tonight. In two years, this is an amazing thing. I want you to think about this. In two years, that church sent 25 missionaries to 25 different countries. In two years. It's taken us a whole year just to get two church plans going. (laughs) And what I'm trying to tell you is that's what happens when God decides to show up and do something supernatural through his church. (laughs) It's amazing what God can do in one year compared to what humans can do over a hundred years. Interestingly enough, there was a great church conference that happened in 1907. It was held in Boston, Massachusetts. And the theme of that conference that invited every single denomination in Christianity to that conference to send representatives to, the theme of that conference was reaching out more in the 20th century. And you know that they had the 100th year celebration of that conference in 2006, or 7, whichever that year was. I forget exactly. And hardly anything had been done. <laughs> they had just kind of relived the conference all over again and said, we still need to get busy. Meanwhile, Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches went from zero people to 600 million people in 100 years worldwide. Half a billion people on the planet believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is for today and want the power of the Holy Spirit working through their lives. In the 1960s, there were two men in, the, in LA. One was named John Wimber. John Wimber was a founding member of the Righteous Brothers Band. Does anybody know the Righteous Brothers? And when the Holy Spirit got a hold of his life, he knew he could not be satisfied with his life living a rock and roll lifestyle. He gave up drugs and alcohol, gave his life to Jesus, and decided to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit to start the Vineyard Movement, which has spread around the world, thousands of churches, and reached untold numbers for the name of Jesus Christ. What was amazing about John Wimber was, when he was in the process of coming to Christ, he actually ended up in a little Presbyterian church. And he went home every night and he would read the gospels about Jesus, about what Jesus did. He gets so excited. And then he would show up at church and nothing would happen. And eventually he got a little bit frustrated. And so he went up to the pastor and he said, Pastor, when do we do the stuff? And the pastor said, what stuff? He said, you know the stuff. The pastor said, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, the stuff that Jesus did, casting out demons, miracles, healings, uh, laying hands on the sick, blind seeing, l- the lame recovering. When do we do that stuff? And the pastor says, Oh, we don't do that stuff. We just talk about the fact that Jesus did that stuff. And John Wimber was classic in a great sense of humor. He said, You mean to tell me that I gave up drugs and alcohol for this? <laughs> yeah. He left the church, started the vineyard movement, and the rest is history. Because God is looking for somebody who will be open to what he can do. Not the traditions of man. Not information. Not just education. But the power of the third person of the Trinity that can do far more in your life and through your life than you could possibly ask or imagine. This is the God that I serve. This is the God that I want to serve. This is the God that Jesus came and told us about. He said to his disciples, the things you have seen me see, do, you will do greater things than these. I don't know about you, but I want to see that. I don't want to just do church. I don't want to. It's too boring. What I want to see us see people healed and set free and delivered and transformed and renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. <laughs> Chuck Smith was another one. He's saying that came out of the Pentecostal Four Square movement. He started Calvary Chapel with the hippies who were coming to Jesus. Nobody wanted these people in their church because they had long hair, long beards, and barely any clothing. So he goes to them and he starts a church. If you know of a Calvary Chapel, that's what it has its roots in. They're all over the United States to this day. Because somebody decided to go to the people nobody else wanted to go to. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, that church exploded. He was up to 900 conversions a month in L.A. The hippies were coming. They started the movement. It was called the Jesus Movement. They spread around the world and started their own churches. Some of the large, most of the largest churches in America are Calvary Chapel churches led by former hippies. I'm serious. They've cut their hair now. You won't recognize them for hippies. But they're still around. And what's funny today is that any church with a drum set on its stage or an electric guitar or a pastor who doesn't wear a suit and tie has been influenced by those two men. Even the churches that deny the power of the Holy Spirit and have drums on their stage and electric guitars on their stage and the pastor doesn't feel the need to dress up anymore to preach, they are doing that because of men who decided It's not about tradition, and it's not about form, and it's not about ceremony and pomp. It's about what God can do through somebody who is open to the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is what we're here for. And so, I want to ask you tonight, open your heart and your life to the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Peter that preached on Pentecost was a completely different Peter before he received the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong, his personality was the same. He was always speaking up and speaking out, it's just most of the time he was wrong or misguided. But when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, God took that bravado and that tendency to speak up when nobody else spoke up and use it for his good and use it for his purposes. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that sermon, 3,000 people came to Christ. One sermon. That's what seminarians would call a pretty successful sermon. But it wasn't successful because of what he said as much as under what power he said it. See, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers what you say. He empowers what you do. He empowers how you live. And he does in your physical body things that you cannot make happen physically. God is spirit, and he wants to work through your flesh and your body to draw men and women in your life to Jesus. I want to just kind of prove what I'm saying is true for you today uh, by just drawing your attention to the fact that the Bible tells us this happens on the day of Pentecost. That's a very important point. What is Pentecost? Again, people think Pentecost, that's a denomination. No, it was actually, before it was ever a denomination, it was a feast of Israel. In the Old Testament, God gave the people of Israel three annual feasts that they would gather in Jerusalem to celebrate. There were six feasts total, three feasts that they had to get up out of their homes, come to Jerusalem, and have a feast together. The first feast was called Passover. And in Passover, a lamb was slain, blood was shed, to signify ultimately the final lamb that would come and be slain, Jesus Christ. His blood was shed so that we could become the new people of God. Israel became a new people of God on Passover night when the lamb was slain and the death angel passed over their home because the blood was applied to their home. And they were saved and delivered and that was their birthday. That was when they were born as God's newly redeemed people. The third feast that I want to talk about first, uh, before I talk about Passover, is the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they would do is they would come to the city of Jerusalem every year and they would set up little huts. And they would all live in those huts for a week and celebrate together. In these tabernacles. And that feast points us forward in Christ to the fact that Jesus said, I go and I prepare a room for you. In my Father's house are many rooms. Many homes. Many places. And I go to prepare a place for you. What Jesus is doing right now is setting us up for the final feast of tabernacles. We will tabernacle with God in His presence for all eternity in the rooms that He has prepared for us. But the second feast out of the three was the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost just means 50. 50 days from Passover, they would come back again and they would celebrate the harvest. And what happened actually was... Israel started to use this feast to celebrate the giving of the law. And it marked that date in which God sent Moses down from the burning bush and the mountain. Not the burning bush, but the mountain. And with the tabernacle, with, I'm sorry, with the tablets of stone in his hand of the law of God. And they came and they celebrated the fact that God gave them the law. And here was the problem. They celebrated it every year but nobody could keep the law. That's our problem. We, we want to, but we can't. We try, but we fail. We, sometimes we get worse rather than better. And so Israel's celebrating the giving of the law, and on that day in Acts chapter 2, during the Feast of Pentecost, God gives the Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, The law of God is written on our hearts so that we are empowered to do what God says, not just like what God says. Now here's the thing, many Christians, probably all Christians, absolutely accept the Feast of Passover and that the Feast of Passover is a feast that every Christian typologically experiences through Jesus Christ. Amen. We all experience the new birth through the shed blood of the final Lamb of God that sets us free from our bondage to sin and makes us the new people of God. We all celebrate that. We all just commemorated it up here in the front. That was the blood of Jesus, the the body of Jesus broken for us, shed for us, so that we can become born as His people. There's not a Christian I think on the planet That doesn't truly believe that that actually happens in our lives spiritually, yes? And there's not a Christian, I think, that doesn't believe that someday when we're dead or when Jesus comes again, we will all live in eternity in the place he has prepared for us. What I'm saying to you is there's not many Christians that don't believe that we should experience the Feast of Tabernacles, Where we are going to forever, one day, always dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. And we're all looking forward to that day, yes? So my question is, why do you believe in the first feast and receive it? And are looking forward to the third feast and expect it? And skip over the middle feast. We're all supposed to experience all three feasts through Jesus. And he has made a way for you not to know God's will, because knowing it doesn't really help us live it. He has made a way for us to receive the spirit by which we can live and do God's will. See, I think that there's a lot of Christians in this room tonight. And you know what you need to do. And you know what you want to do for the Lord. And you try. And you fail. And you're like Peter before the day of Pentecost. He said, Lord, I'll never deny you. And within hours, he was calling down curses on himself, denying the Lord and weeping bitterly. And there are a lot of Christians. That's your experience. And I'm not saying you're not going to heaven because the blood has been shed. And if you believe the blood has been shed for you, you're going to heaven. Amen. And I'm not saying that you're not, you're a lesser person than me. And I'm not saying that you're not going to experience the joy of the Lord one day in eternity. What I am saying is that God has provided for you Something that can empower you to stop the up and down roller coaster of Christian experience and experience the fullness of the Lord in your life. Not just telling you what to do, but empowering you to do what you know you should do in the name of Jesus Christ. And he wants to give that experience to you. Would you stand with me? As the musicians come back up, I would like to ask you if you want to receive the Holy Spirit without show, without pretense, without disputing. Some of you know you need this. You're trying and you're failing. You're trying and you're failing. And some of you are going through the motions of Christianity. And you know it's not enough. You need the fullness of God in you. Now listen, I mentioned tongues. And I'm not here to force you to speak in tongues. That's, you know, the Lord's going to do that in you. He's going to do that in you. I don't care. I hope you do. Paul says, I hope that everybody speaks in tongues. I hope you prophesy. I hope the gifts of the Holy Spirit are released in your life. You've got to be open to it. You've got to want it. And you've got to be receptive of what God can give you in the Holy Spirit. And tonight, if that's you, without hesitation, I need the Holy Spirit. Would you come forward and fill this area right here in the front? Not not for show, not to stick out, not to look better than anybody else. Just, Lord, I need you. I want the fullness that you have to offer me. I don't care if you're a small group leader or leader in this church. I I don't care what you think about yourself. I'm not even interested in what your past church experience is. You could be an elder in this church. You know sometimes we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit again to say, God come and fill me. I know I'm not doing what I should do. I know I'm not walking in victory. I know I'm not living as I should. And I want to walk in righteousness and holiness. I want to walk as more than a conqueror through Him that loved me. And I want to walk in your power and not my own. Nobody's staring at anybody else. But here's what I, I would like to ask would you just put your hands up in some way, shape, or form? And in this moment, I want you just to ask the Lord. Come, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I open my mind and my heart. And I ask that you touch me in a special way tonight. I want to be filled with you. I want you to empower me to do what you want me to do. I want your gifts. I want to prophesy in your name. I want to speak for you. I want to tell other people about you. Not in my strength, but in your power. Not in what I understand, but in what you know. And what you can reveal into my mind through the Holy Spirit. Tonight I open myself to you. Holy Spirit, come into my body and have your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elders in the church, and small group leaders who are filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to give you license in this moment to come forward and to start laying hands on people. Please elders and those who are leaders in our church only, come forward. You can lay hands and start to pray over these people and pray, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for every single person. Let's make our way through. Let's not hesitate in this moment. Let's not be shy in this moment. We're all going to let the Lord minister to his people, not manipulating anybody. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.